Hi, and welcome to the Progress Green Careers podcast. I'm Sandra Kessel, and I've been a journalist pretty much all my working life. I've been collecting stories of pro-green, ethical, sustainable and socially responsible careers, pathways and courses from people who really know what they're talking about. In each episode of Progress, I ask guests to tell me how they got where they are and their ideas for following in their footsteps. But you don't have to be looking for a new career to enjoy a good story, and each episode aims to inspire and entertain, as well as offer a greener way of thinking, working and living. Ray Wilkinson is my first guest, and Ray is an award-winning garden and landscape designer with an RHS gold medal um, to her name. For some years now, she has incorporated sustainability into her practice. She has been commissioned to design for charities and create sensory care gardens. Welcome, Ray. It's nice to have you on board it's, uh, for the first podcast of the series. Um, please, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your job? Yes. Hello, Sandra. Thank you for having me. Thank you for asking me to come onto your podcast. Um so, yes, I've been working within the, um, I guess, the creation of landscapes uh, industry for uh, over 25 years, probably over that, well over that now. Um, and I started, I, I came out of an art degree and I went into being a landscaper, really. Um, and I was also doing uh, environmental conservation work on a voluntary basis at that time. Um, so that was kind of my start point. And I moved very quickly in, from hard landscaping and soft. Um, plants have always been my real passion. Um, but also just having that creative background as well. It, it was a kind of natural progression to go from installing and looking after gardens to actually then designing them myself and, um, you know, curating that whole process, um, which is is very, very interesting, constantly fascinating I'm always learning and um and I love it I really do enjoy um doing this kind of work um and as time has progressed I think as as a as an industry we've become very much more interested in what our what part we play in within the environment and the landscape and connecting people with it is and and what our responsibilities are in being um you know thoughtful and mindful about how we're creating spaces and what, what our effect is on the land um and also how beneficial the spaces we create are to people and to nature and to how those two are brought together so um and actually i think because that that has become a real a really strong point for me because of my background in conservation work i've it's always been a real interest for me so um that coming back through feels feels like a really natural progression I think so interesting that you were thinking that way well I think you said 25 years ago and it must be satisfying for you to see that coming full we're not in a full circle are we quite yet but um how did you access training how did you get into you know how did you turn it from an idea and going into I think you were saying, uh, you know, conservation course, how did you make that transition? So when I left art college, I 
it suddenly occurred to me that I hadn't done a vocational degree, um, which was a bit of a shock, and uh, <laughs> that I needed to pay the rent. So um, I was, I felt a little bit lost in all honesty. I didn't know what to do with myself. And I thought, how on earth am I going to pay the rent? Mm. Um, the first thing I did was I actually went and um, spent some time with one of my lecturers at his workshop up at Sammer Park near Brighton, where I'd done my degree. And um, he was a sculptor and he was sharing a workshop space with a guy called Johnny Woodford, um, who was creating these chainsaw sculptures for Cleve West's Chelsea show no Hampton Court show gardens I think yes. those might have been um and I it just blew me away that these sculptures were going to be in a garden and I thought this is so cool and that was really my first interest in it I thought I want it maybe I could work in got in you know something environmental yeah. environmental creative creativity in some way but right next to their workshops were the rangers offices um, and there was a an organisation working there called the British Trust for Conservation Volunteers. I think they've slightly changed their name now. And I just went and volunteered. Um, so I, I did quite a lot of training through them because I was a volunteer officer. Um, and I spent about 18 months working for them and training through them. Yes. And I did a forestry course. And that was all kind of um, training that was available through the charity and also through um, you know, various funded um, courses that were being run at the time. I don't know how how that plays out now, but that definitely fed into me then when I got a landscaping job. I was very used to working outside and doing very practical work um, mm -hmm. that was that was about building environments and making them usable by humans. Um, so that was really how I moved into it. I then while I was while I was actually working as a um, a landscaper and then a, and then a soft landscaper and maintenance um, set up. Um, I actually did RHS certificates um, in the evening. So I would do a whole day's work outside and then I would go home and I'd do a load of studying. And um, that was really, that was quite full on, but it was worth it because I had all that practical element going on every day, which is honestly where I learned more than anything um, and then I had the backup of actually doing the studying in my own time. Um, when I when I moved into design, at that point I actually had a team of um, I had a team of girls working with me who were all doing they were all doing all the soft landscaping and maintenance with me. Um, and it got garden angels. Sorry, garden angel, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was my 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 soft landscaping team was garden angels, um, yeah. and it got to a point where I was able to go and do a bit more studying because I was managing them. And I, I, I felt so strongly that I want, I wanted to be designing these spaces. Um, Cause I'd spent about 10 years helping to build them. And I felt like I had quite a good understanding. Um, so I went and trained at Merris Wood with Andrew Wilson, who was brilliant. And he then went on to set up the London college of garden design. Um, very inspirational tutor. Um, and I just did that part time alongside my day to day work again. And that was a really good grounding in in that kind of, you know, transitioning into actually the, the formalized side of designing gardens. Mm -hmm. um, and beyond that, I've just I, it's all about CPD. So there is constant. I've, I'm always learning. I think if I, I would hope I never stop learning and mm -hmm. any courses that come up that are to do with 
um, design software or environmental elements or um, construction elements. If there are workshops happening or seminars, then I'll, I'll try and get to them if I can um, so that, that I'm always learning and always always gathering knowledge. So CPD is continuous professional development, isn't it? And that's, that's it. Yes. Across any, you know, that phrase is used across all sorts of um, businesses, isn't it? But um, in your in your world, that obviously means garden, garden design. But as you're saying, also the professional landscaping um, on online materials as well. So the I guess is that like CAD? That's the computer aided design. Yeah, so we I, I use Vectorworks Landmark, which is a, a CAD software. It's a computer computer aided design software, mm-hmm. which is generally used by architects and um, landscape designers if they're not using AutoCAD. Um, and it's a great piece of software. Um, it's it's quite um, useful in that you can transition it into other formats like you know dwg and pdf and that kind of thing so you can share it easily um i'm pretty much self-taught on it so i have people that work with me who are a bit more adept at it than me and i it's really because i spend a lot of time either doing the actual designing or being with clients or out on site with contractors um it's quite good to be able to give my scribbles over to someone who can very quickly <laughs> do the CAD side of things. So, yeah. And that, and that, and I, I think it's also very important that, you know, there is that collaboration element. I've, I very quickly learned that, you know, I've got strengths in some areas and not in others. And it's really good if you can work with people who can do those things that you can't do and that you kind of, delegate that work out to those people and learn with those people as well because it is you know I I know I still learn from the pe- the contractors I work with and the people that I collaborate with I'm still learning about all sorts of things um, in terms of how we're constructing things how we're approaching things what materials we're using how we're creating visuals um, but also um we have also now got lots of um, online options when it comes to learning. So yeah. where we might have had to go and attend a course in person previously, mm-hmm. particularly since COVID, we've now got the option of, of attending a lecture online and it might be a two hour lecture. And that's quite doable if you're at your desk and you can or even make time in the evening or at the weekend to do that. It's really, really helpful mm-hmm. um, for CPD. Can I just ask, just to go back slightly, at what point were you able to pay your rent? <laughs> oh, gosh. So uh, when I was doing hard landscaping, I actually was very, very fortunate in that I somebody let me go and live on their boat that was just sitting in a, in a marina somewhere. Um, and that was amazing because it meant I did have a roof over my head while I, while I was earning not very much money. Um, and so then it was yeah but 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 freeish <laughs> yeah it was you know i ha- yeah i had to sort of look after the boat but it was it was a um it was a great way of um being able to go to where the work was because it was really near where i was working with this landscaper so um mm. but yeah it it wasn't it's not i do think it's a very um interesting and viable career option for pe- for younger people to get into because um 
not only is it really interesting and really great to be outside and to be working with the land um, in the fresh air, um, there are so many elements to that that are really beneficial. Um, I do also think that though it might not be great wages, there aren't many career starting options where where you do earn lots of money. Um, and there is potential for that to build as you go, as you work through and st- maybe build your own pr- own business up. Mm. Um, so I've definitely, you know, I've been able to survive. I've managed to make enough money to live. Yeah. So you're currently in Sussex, I think, aren't you? And Yes. Yeah. So at the moment, um, my studio is on the Nep estate, which is really lovely because obviously there's this big rewilding project going on here. Um, and it's such a lovely place to be. I, we've walked here a lot as a family um, over recent years, watching the landscape changing as it as the rewilding project has unfolded. Um, and it's a very nice, yeah, it's a very nice place to be. I can I can go walk off into the wilderness when I'm getting a bit stuck at my desk. So um, does that? It's also by you that you know being able to do that because obviously sustainability is at your heart and you know and, and and at the heart of everything you do but does that inspire you take you you know take you out of maybe your own thinking into other people's thinking as well yeah and I think also I think the thing I find it's very inspiring to be connected with with other what the work that other people are doing um and that's that's part of the element of collaboration that I was talking about earlier, just, just talking to, you know, there's other designers that I talk to here and in the industry who are, um, you know, we're constantly soundboarding ideas and thinking about current, current topics that are really, we really feel passionate about. I think that's really important, but genuinely I would say one of my most important inspirations and, um, practices um is actually about being in nature um I know that's that perhaps sounds a bit trite but I do I I can't survive without my one I need one walk a day in nature I need to you know and I will get up early and walk my dog and that's 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 vital for my 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 brain and my well-being and everything um but equally we can get stuck at our desks a lot as designers but also we can end up dealing with people and problems quite a lot as well being on a building site some of the time and the time that I spend going out and just walking in nature is is really vital to keeping that connection with why I'm doing this and what it's all for um and 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 I think you know that nature connection I really believe is is vital for everyone because nature is where we come from we you know, we share our planet with it. It's so important that we're connected to it. It's the only way that we, I think we can feel really well and, and whole. And it's part of my job to, it's a very important part of my job to bring that to my clients and to the people that I create gardens for. And it's not something I'm going to go on about with them that, you know, they want, they just want a beautiful garden. They want a usable garden. But for me, it's about making sure that they they are able to connect with nature when they're in their garden and and that might be very subtle and very something that they're not immediately aware of but it will happen um and it's it's really important I think so you're leading them by the hand and not the nose sort of thing 
yeah <laughs> hopefully <laughs> uh, one of the things that you you do um and 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 I think because I've known you for a little while um sort of secondhand if you like um but um is you now do designs for am I right in thinking you create sensory care gardens and that is that for hospices and hospitals and that sort of thing and charities I have done quite a lot in the in recent years yes and that was kind of a natural a natural progression most of the work I do is is for residential clients but um I've done a few sensory care home gardens for dementia care and also um more recently I did do a palliative care garden for Ashford St Peter's Hospital and then went on to do a Covid recovery garden for the staff there as well um and I've really I really enjoy doing those kind of spaces because um I know how important it is for um obviously that nature connection I've just been talking about but um particularly when people are in that care environment yes. where they're not you know they may be dealing with something very difficult in terms of health end of life um you know any kind of impairment of health um and very much um surrounded by this kind of clinical element of being in inside maybe a lot of the time and medicalized and um actually having a space that you can go to where you you are connecting with nature again you're back outside in the fresh air and there's plants around you the the healing element of that the beneficial elements of that are just um very powerful I think um and certainly I know I know that my responses to being in a garden are very much about the colors and the textures and the smells and and I think they affect everybody and I know from the work I've done with dementia care that there it is it is vital for those brain connections and those memory connections um to have specific smells and textures around and colors as well colors are quite important um within dementia care um and also it was really interesting doing the palliative care garden actually because you know the hospital environment is very clinical and very stark and um they wanted somewhere where because there is a point where you know you know that someone is about to pass and there's nothing more medically that can be done and there's a period of time where you know they can just people can sit with them or they you know they're they're at that end point um so why not be in a garden? It's such a lovely place to be. And, you know, I know when my my father passed away um, in 2020, um, he got COVID. He'd gone into hospital for something and got COVID and um, sadly um, went very quickly. But my sister and I were um, with him at the end and all he wanted to do was go outside. He was just desperate to to be. He was, you know, looking at the sky out of the window and asking us to take him outside. And, you know, we could barely get the window open. And I thought, gosh, if he'd been able to just be wheeled out into a garden and spend his last moments out there, the difference yes. at, at that point is so immensely powerful, I think, for, for the person who's transitioning into whatever is after this life and also for the people around them, for their loved ones. I think it's really important. So those spaces, I think, are really, really really valuable and really powerful spaces that um we should we should be including in those settings definitely yes 
Well, they're, they're known to lower lower your heart rate and um, improve your breathing and all those sorts of things. Even just a walk in a wood in a wood can do that. But um, there's something really special about a beautiful garden, and I've seen your gardens. They are they are amazing, and and they're naturalistic without without being um, too field like. If, <laughs> if that's not an insult, yeah. Garden gardens, which I I'm you know I I really love what you do and I really love the combinations that you do um thank you Sandra I do because I think it is it is possible to bring in the I the the feeling of nature without it without it being too woolly I think that's that's the key thing it can be something that we have curated but it's still nature yes yes um what tips would you give to somebody if they wanted to pursue a career like yours I mean it will obviously be different because they're a different there'll be a well possibly a different generation but of course people are changing careers at you know many points in their lives these days mm. but, um very what, much so consider would be a good way of just starting you know turning maybe something that's an idea or an enthusiasm into you know something that will pay the rent I think that there's a, there's a lot of options out there the, nowadays. I don't. I know that funding might not be as as available as it was when I when I started out, and there was lots of courses you could just enrol in. Um, on the whole, I might be wrong here. I don't know completely, but I do think there's quite a lot of courses you have to pay for now, yes. um, which is a shame. Uh, but that said, doing that training is really key. I think it's really important. Alongside that, I think it's really important to go and do go and get practically involved in the thing that you're interested in. Yes. So you can go and enroll on a garden design course or a or a construction course or a horticulture course um, or an environmental course, whichever one it is that you you want to go for. Um, but alongside that, I think find a way of getting involved in in being out there and doing the work and getting your hands dirty because that's where you'll really feel the connection and that's where you'll really feel you'll really get to understand it and and know it from the inside and and know that whether it's what you want to do and equally if you're if you're looking at design specifically the 10 years of of actual gardening and and landscaping that I did before I became a designer was absolutely fundamental to the way that I approach design and the way that I understand it because I I feel like I've had my hands in the earth so much that I I've I understand it on a deep level and I I know what is needed in a space and I know how to connect to the local flora and you know what what kind of um plants and surfaces that we might want to think about using because I it just it's just instinctive and I think that instinctive response to a space comes very much from being able to understand it from from being practically connected and practically involved so you know just getting involved in volunteer work or community gardens um, going in and working with a mentor um, I think also if you can spend some time working with um, designers or landscapers um, who will allow you to come and do some work with them or just, you know, be around what they're doing. I think that's really important. And, you know, also going and when a, when a 
project is being constructed on site, just going and looking at how that's put together, I think is really important. There's lots of skill training academies out there now, like the task training academy and, you know, um, just learning about the sort of most up-to-date ideas on how people lay paving. And, you know, all contractors have different ideas on those kind of things. But I think that kind of knowledge, that practical knowledge is really important. Um, but yes, there are lots of online learning options now as well. So it's worth doing a bit of research and looking at the, um, the industry bodies that are dealing with various different elements of it. So, you know, garden design, landscaping, ecology, there's, there's, there's quite a few industry bodies now who are um, getting together and getting people together and getting training together. So um, doing your research, I think, is important too. Yeah, well, those, I think those are really good tips for people wanting to make that start. Um, you mentioned that you've got family um, and obviously what what's very key to certainly this podcast is about um, sustainability, but also, you know, what we're going to leave to the next generation. Um, and this has really been inspired by the fact, I mean, I've got children, but I've now got a grandchild and... Um, and uh, I really, I've changed my behaviour. I don't think I was, you know, I wasn't a terrible polluter before, but I've really changed my behaviour since she's born. Um, how do you feel about what you're passing on to your own children who are, you know, are obviously a lot younger than mine, you're a different generation to me? Yeah, it, it's a, this is a really tricky subject, actually, because... Uh, Sorry, I save the world <laughs> just your... yeah I I would love to say I would love personally to save the world and then I I, I realize my children are going to have to take part in that yes. um what I think we're we're finding you know actually I you know wasn't personally wasn't expecting to become a parent and when I did I I have worried about this terribly what you know what kind of world are my children growing up in um I would not have I you know I'm I'm love being a parent and I, I you know I would do anything for the those those human beings um I think that you know the, the that generation of young people who are growing up now I feel that we have made a right old mess for them um I think that there's quite a big um job ahead in terms of getting things back on track and I still think it's possible so I think alongside that feeling of um devastation <laughs> there is a, there is a lot of hope because actually we are at a point where there is realization occurring and there is there is solutions occurring and it's it's engaging the younger generation with the, with with that that's important as a parent I have struggled with that I find that because our children hear us talking as adults about our own concerns and fears of, of what's happening to the planet and to nature they they've kind of switched off a little bit at this point they feel they feel that it's something it's something that we're worried about and that that's not something they feel they want to connect to so we're trying to work out at the moment you know how do we how do we re-engage them with it? We've we've always lived in the countryside and um, we've always made sure that, you know, we get them out in the countryside every week. We make we get, have at least one walk in nature. We 
always go on holiday where we're going to be hiking and kayaking and um, whatever else. Um, so we're trying to just naturally get them into the natural environment. But um, it is a little bit of an unknown in terms of what opportunities are going to be available to them in yeah. terms of 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 training and and um their careers but also what are they going to have to be dealing with in terms of environmental issues and and um issues of food production and climate change and you know all of those things and i'm i'm really hoping that we can engage them positively enough with the with with just nature as as an element of our planet um that they're going to feel a need to work with it and protect it. I the people that I speak to really seem to be taking that seriously, and I actually take heart from that because I don't feel that my generation, obviously, I'm I'm older than you. I think that they are much more engaged. The twenties. That's really encouraging. That's really good. Yeah, I've heard similar, and I hope. I th- I mean, my children are kind of early teens and early yeah. to mid teens, and I think they're they're at that point where they're it's so much easier to go and distract themselves with a screen and another reality than to try and engage with what what's what's going on and I really hope that there will be a point where they'll they'll start to engage with it and and want to be active within it um that's that is encouraging to hear well you're laying down the foundation so thank you for that and thank you for all thank you for saying that you would do this podcast with me it's been thank you for having me Thanks again to Ray. I really had no idea that she had left college and lived on a boat while she was finding her career path. There are links to Ray's own website on the Progress show notes and she's also on Instagram. If you've enjoyed hearing about her career journey, please rate and share this podcast and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Thank you.